Beloved congregation of our risen and ascended Saviour Jesus Christ, how real is the devil to you? Do you think about him and his evil angels? Do you think about them as real beings who can plot and scheme, who can do all kinds of things? Do you think about them as being as real as King Kim Jong-un, the dictator of North Korea? Probably none of us have met Kim Jong-un, but we've seen pictures of him. We know that he is real. Are Satan and the evil angels that real to you as well? And they hate you. They want you badly. The devil and his hosts, they want to take over your life. They want a foothold in your life. A place from, from which they can expand their influence. They have their sights set on you, beloved. The message of the Gospel this morning is that there is a spiritual battle going on. A battle in which you are being attacked by Satan and all his hosts. A battle in which you are called to stand. I proclaim to you the gospel under this theme and point. Stand firm in the spiritual battle using the armor which God gives you. We'll see three things. First of all, the powerful enemy. Secondly, the only effective armor. And thirdly, the certain victory. So stand firm in the spiritual battle using the armor which God gives you. The powerful enemy is our first point. Second point, the only effective armor. And thirdly, the certain victory. Now, firstly, that powerful enemy. We need to have a close look. In the book of Ezekiel, prophecies of Ezekiel, the spiritual leaders of God's people are compared to watchmen on the wall of a city. And what was it a watchman's task to do? It was to, to warn the people in the city about the approach of an enemy. So that the people in the city, it was during the night and an enemy was coming, so the watchmen would awaken, arouse the city so that they would be ready on time to repel the enemy. If an enemy was coming, woe to those watchmen who did not warn God's people, would, did not warn the inhabitants of the city. And that you could say. That's the urgency of our text. It's a word from the Apostle Paul, a word of warning about the great danger that surrounds the church. He's functioning as a watchman, warning God's people so that they might be aroused, so that they might be on guard, so that they might be ready to repel and not conquered by the enemy. Congregation, it's a word of the Gospel. This is revelation for God's redeemed people, for the church of Jesus Christ. Why do we receive this revelation? Because of Christ's great love for His bride. His church. That's why He teaches them about the danger that they are in and the only way in which they can remain safe. Congregation, this text reveals Christ's love for you. You, the church, are instructed to be strong, to put on armor. Telling someone that means that there is danger, that there is a battle to fight. But you're told more, not just be strong and put on armor, but be strong in the Lord 
Put on the armor of God. The battle you are in requires very special, very particular strength and armor. Air support, armor-plated Humvees, radar, they're useless in this battle. You need strength from the Lord. You need God's armor. For that's the only way in which you can stand and fight. Our enemy is very clearly described to urge us on. To make us see the seriousness of the situation, this passage lifts the veil that hangs over the spiritual world. It lets us see what is happening. And congregation is not pleasant by any means. We're engaged in a life and death struggle with the devil and his cohorts. The word wrestle is used in our text. Wrestle. That points to the closeness of this struggle. Closeness of the combat in this spiritual war. It's one-on-one fighting, struggling with the enemy. And what an enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. Flesh and blood, that points to man. Man who dies if his blood is shed. He is flesh. He is weak. Now it's true, if you've got a hundred thousand men or a million men, of flesh and blood, that's a formidable enemy. That's a strong enemy. But such an army, such an enemy can be overcome with the the swords in the pass or the guns, the artillery of another army. Such a mighty human force can be conquered given sufficient manpower and weapons. You've just got to have more on your side. The enemies we are fighting are far worse. We are fighting against spiritual beings, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's a reference to Satan and the fallen angels. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the angels too. Some time before the fall of Adam and Eve, Satan and many other angels rebelled against God. With the result that they are, those fallen angels, they are, as we confess in Article 12 of the Belgian Confession, so depraved that they are enemies of God and all that is good. They are against God, they hate Him, and they hate His work. And then see how they are described. They have ruled. They have power and dominion and control. They are the rulers of the darkness of this age. We learn from 1 John 5 that the unbelieving world is under the control and dominion of the evil one. Through the fall into sin, man put himself into the service of the evil one. Man had been created as ruler over creation and man, ruler that he was, brought his rule under the dominion of the devil, with the result that the fallen angels continue to have authority and rule in the darkness of this age. They are spiritual, not physical. They cannot be defeated with a sword or a gun or an atomic bomb. Such weapons will not harm them. And they are wicked. 
the spiritual hosts of wickedness. They are enemies of all that is good. Their influence and power is very great. They are in the heavenly places we read. Now normally, the heavenly places is a reference to heaven where Christ is. But here in our text, the word heavenly places is being used as a contrast to being on earth. They are not confined to the earth, but they dwell in the spiritual realms. They are superhuman, above humanity. That's how strong and powerful they are. The battle is against spiritual enemies, beloved, that you are in. Now we often feel the battle at a human level. We see cruel regimes that is people, men and women, who persecute Christians, for example, in China. As we see in the Western world, governments and government departments and lobby groups more and more endorse and promote licentiousness, breaking of God's commandments. It's the people who make movies and television shows, who write books and magazines and blogs and internet sites. We see the people who do these things, the people with their agenda. That's what we see. That's where we experience the the battle at a human level. But at the deepest level, it's a spiritual war. The devil and his hordes have a hand in this. They hate God and His work. They lie in wait to attack the church of Jesus Christ. They are scheming about how to get into your life, into your home, into your thinking. The text speaks about the wiles of the devil. Wiles, that means the devil's schemings. His methods by which he plans to come in and attack. You think about it, congregation, the rulers of darkness have their focus on who? On the people who dwell in the light. The unbelievers are already in the control under the dominion of the evil one. They are occupied territory as it were, but the focus is on the children of the light, that's you, to bring them into darkness, to bring you away from God and Christ. That's what the devil and his angels are scheming. They are figuring out how to get into the church here in Armidale. They are figuring out how to bring your family around to their way of thinking. How to spread darkness in your household. How to corrupt your home. They are lying in wait. They are crafty and tricky. And they don't play fair. They fight dirty. They will use whatever it takes. Later on in our text we read about the fiery darts of the devil. It's an image taken from the practice of shooting hollow arrows that were filled with a combustible substance, something that would burn really well. Those arrows were set on fire, and whatever those arrows struck when they were shot would be set on fire. And so they would spread fire and destruction among the enemy. That's how the attacks of the devil are described, like those fiery arrows. And if you think about the ultimate goal of the enemy, that we, as God's people, be brought under the domain of darkness, that we be given up to the fires of hell, then that's a fitting image. Satan and his angels throw at God's people whatever will bring them to destruction, to the ultimate and great destruction. And that can happen in many different ways. Through assailing God's people with doubt and despair. Will God 
forgive me all my sins? Really? Surely there's no salvation for a sinner like me. They attack through assailing God's people with confusion, with lies, with half-truths promoted in so many ways, propagated in so many ways through the media, through things we say to each other sometimes without figuring out if it's completely scriptural, through values promoted by others. Such lies and half-truths can bring confusion amongst God's people. What now is good and what is not? Temptations are another fiery dart. Maybe they come to us through the appeal and attraction of the world. It looks like fun. Temptations through the media, television, the internet, magazines, radio. Or through thoughts that arise in our minds, we are tempted to do what is bad, what is wicked. We are tempted to do the works of darkness and often where nobody else can see us. The devil gets room in our lives when we get angry and do not guard against sin in our anger as we are warned in Ephesians 4 verse 27. And then there is the fiery ordeal of persecution, another of the darts of the devil to attempt to bring the children of the light to rejecting God. The costs are too great. The suffering is too much. Whatever it takes to make God's people share in the devil's condemnation. Fiery darts. Devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's ravenous and he never lets up. And where is the enemy today? How is he attacking us, God's people here in Armadale? We could ask, what influences us? What makes us think the way we do? What determines how we spend our paycheck? How do we decide what is acceptable entertainment? What's appropriate clothing? What's tempting you? What governs your reaction to others? What makes you feel bad? Do we even think about what is influencing us? Do we consider what makes us think the way we do? Why we make the choices we do. And think about this congregation. Would the devil and his spiritual hosts of wickedness pass up any chance to influence us? The point of our text is we are being attacked and that by a very powerful enemy. He has authority and dominion. He attacks us who have a natural inclination to take sides with him rather than against him. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. No human power can withstand this enemy. Our text speaks about terrifying things, congregation. It shows us that we are in a terrible battle. A battle against forces which are far stronger than us. You cannot see this battle with the naked eye. This battle cannot be captured on video. For the enemy is not flesh and blood, but far more powerful, far more sinister, far more devious. He's spiritual. This enemy attacks from a position of strength behind the things that are happening in this world. In our lives, there are spiritual forces at work. Powerful ones. 
And our text calls us to take up the armour of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. That reference to evil day speaks about an intensification of the conflict. The day in which the evil forces especially attack when they attack with hellish intensity. As one commentator put it, the day of severe trial, the critical moments in your lives when the devil and his sinister underlings will assault you most vehemently. The point is, be ready always. Be ready for the worst. You must be prepared for the most vicious attacks of an enemy who is far stronger than you. Does that scare you, beloved? When you think about it, it's hard not to be scared. For you see how dangerous things are. The peace and tranquility we enjoy living in Western Australia, that peace hides an awful battle that is raging, a spiritual one in which the stakes are high. The battle of the evil forces against the church, against those who live in the light. But this is not revealed to us so that we become scared. This is not revelation to keep us awake at night, to fill us with fear and a sense of hopelessness. Rather, God reveals this to us so that we might realize how important it is for us to be on the alert, to stay on guard. He tells us this so that we can realize how urgent it is to put on the full armor of God, and that in the second place, the only effective armor. How can you stand firm in this battle, this terrible battle in which the stakes are eternally high? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You can only get your strength from the Lord. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ that you can stand. You cannot fight this battle yourself, beloved. You will fall. And that's a fundamental truth we need to understand. It might be tempting to think up human ways to overcome the attacks of the evil angels. In the history of the church, human ways have been attempted. One of those has been to hide away from the world in monasteries, as if the devil's attacks can be brought to nothing in this way. Or to pretend that there is no danger, and so be comfortable compromising with the world more and more. But there is only one way to find your strength in the Lord, and there is equipment that comes to those who believe in Jesus Christ. That equipment is the armor of God. The armor which God gives you. Paul uses the image of a Roman soldier dressed for battle. And then he uses that as a model to describe how the Christian is equipped by God for the spiritual battle. The person who has this armor is strongly equipped. He's ready to defend. He's also ready to attack his enemies. Because this armor has both defensive and offensive aspects. And congregation, take good note of this armor. It's your only hope in the battle against Satan and his demonic armies. Of yourself, you are defenseless. Your home cannot resist his attacks. Your church stands vulnerable to the devilish, dividing, destroying work of the evil one. This armor of God is the only way that we, as God's people, can stand in the evil day. 
The armour is described in the general order of which it is put on. First of all, gird your loins with truth. The first part of the armour was an apron of leather to protect the lower abdomen. And a Christian soldier must gird his loins with the protective covering of truth as opposed to lies and half-truths. Girding yourself with truth means to be free of all falsehood, insincerity, injustice and lies. It's these things which make it impossible for the Christian to stand against the satanic attacks of hell and the unbelieving world. Cover-ups, dishonesty, unfaithfulness exposes the Christian to the attacks of the enemy. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was a protective covering over the chest. The Christian's protective covering is righteousness. That's the righteousness which we receive from Jesus Christ. Christ covers our sins with His blood. That's what keeps us safe. The devil can throw his accusations. You are sinners. You deserve punishment. And our conscience will join in that accusing for our conscience knows us very well and really our sins only make us worthy of being destroyed, of being swept away by the attacks of the devil. But with Christ's righteousness you are safe, beloved. The devil has no ultimate claim on you. What a protection. You have to shoe your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means the preparation which comes from the gospel of peace. A very important part of the Roman soldiers' military equipment was good footwear. The point here is that the gospel equips you to stand firm. It also prepares you for action, for walking, for fighting. The gospel that proclaims peace between God and man through the blood of Christ. God is not angry with us. How that gives you sure footing in the battle that frees your conscience so that you can fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life. You might endure terrible calamity and your enemy will want you to despair. But knowing that you have peace with God keeps you from despairing. God is for us. Who can be against us? Everything else can be taken from us. But we have peace with God. In addition to all this, that's what's meant by that above all, take the shield of faith with which you are to quench, with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. To protect themselves against the flaming darts of the enemy, the Roman soldier would use his large shield whose leather had been soaked in in water before the battle. And a wicked one throws all kinds of fiery darts against the Christian. We saw in our first point that these can take all kinds of form. They can be doubts. Does God really care for me? They can be persecution, which the devil wants us to curse God and die. They can be temptations. Why not try it? It can't be too wrong. Just once. It won't hurt anybody. Fiery darts, which cause damage to ourselves and others. Fiery darts which are designed to bring us to the everlasting destruction of hell. And the shield we've been given against all this is faith. Faith in God and His promises. Faith that Jesus Christ has saved us from our sins. Faith that even in difficulties God is with us. He has not forsaken us. 
faith also that what I am being tempted to do is wrong and therefore I believe I must not do it. Faith that God will give me the strength by His Holy Spirit to say no to the evil one. Faith protects us against all those fiery darts of the enemy. Put on the helmet of salvation. In Isaiah 59 we read about God himself putting on the helmet of salvation. In that context it was not for protection but for the comfort of his people. God is the warrior who comes to bring salvation to his people. The helmet which God their warrior wears comforts them of their salvation. And part of the armor that we receive from God in Christ is the helmet of salvation It's the assurance of our full and complete salvation. It's vital protection for we know that our salvation is secure and certain. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here we can see that the armor of God is not only defensive, but also offensive. The sword is used not only to defend against the enemy, but also to go on the attack. This is the sword that comes from the Spirit. The sword congregation which contains the power of the Spirit. Here is the part of the armor that can rob the enemy of his strength. The Word of God. The very words which God spoke. See how our Lord Jesus Christ repelled the attacks of Satan in the wilderness by continuously appealing to the Word of God. Thus says the Lord, said Jesus. It's the Word of God which repels, which puts the enemy on the defensive. Something might look or sound good, but in light of the Word of God, it's shown to be wrong, to be a lie. To give an obvious example, the idea that we have to do something for our salvation, it sounds good, it seems to make sense. Until you put that idea in the light of the Word of God, which makes so clear that our full salvation from beginning to end is all from God. It's how the light of God's Word repels such heretical attacks. It condemns the enemy for taking away the glory from God. Just an example of how the sword of the Spirit works. It's the sword of the Spirit that is to be used to test the spirits, to see whether they are from God. There are plenty of lying spirits. And they find different ways of confronting us. But the sword of the Spirit will expose them and repel them and rob them of their strength. (coughs) Now this armor congregation is not magical. It's spiritual. And so it must be used in a spiritual way. So we are told that in addition... We must be constant in prayer. And then also that we remain watchful. That we do not become slack in our praying. That's what's meant by those words in our text. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Persevere in prayer. The danger is very real. The enemy is very strong. We must put on the armor of God and with that armor pray. Pray for protection. Pray for the righteousness of Christ that it may cover all our sins. Pray that the peace of God may fill our hearts, that we may stand firm in the battle. 
Pray for faith. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Pray that our faith may grow, that it may effectively repel and quench all those fiery darts of the evil one. Must pray for the insight into the gospel which we need so that we can wield the sword of the Spirit. And that does not just mean that we have all kinds of biblical facts in our head, but that we may understand how to apply that word, those facts, those truths, how to use God's word to repel the enemy and pray. Not just for ourselves, pray for all the saints, says Paul. We are soldiers together. We need to pray for each other. Paul, who was a bold preacher of the gospel, yet asked that the Ephesians pray for him. Paul needed their prayers so that he could continue to proclaim the gospel with boldness as he ought. He was not above needing the prayers of his fellow saints. Such is the urgency of prayer, beloved. We need to pray that all the saints may stand firm. None of us can stand by ourselves. And we also need to pray for the progress of the gospel. For it's the progress of the gospel which continues to deliver people from the powers of darkness and bring them into the light. So congregation, are you putting on the armor of God? That's the key question which you must think about, reflect on, meditate over as you work with this text throughout this week. Do you love the truth? Do you abhor insincerity and falsehood and injustice? Really? Are you busy studying God's Word? Diligent in it? Your spiritual enemies will be trying to take you away from the Word of God and they don't take a break from their schemings. Are you daily busy with the promises of God? Do you meditate on them? Are you familiar with what God has promised you so that you can resist the temptations and doubts which your spiritual enemies constantly bombard you with? Do you daily cling to the righteousness of Christ? Asking God to cover your sin? Are you seeking from the Lord the strengthening of your faith? In congregation, are you also praying for each other as fellow members of the church? Do you realize how much the other members of the church need your prayers? Even though you might always not know in what way, they are being assaulted like you are being assaulted. Satan and the fallen angels will be exploiting every weakness in them. Every difficulty that tempts them to disobey the Lord. The spiritual enemy does not want to waste any opportunity to make your fellow believers stumble. Does that make you earnest in prayer for one another? Congregation, do we realize how dangerous the battle is that we are in? World history has examples of soldiers and armies who thought that they were ready, but were not. We too can have a false confidence. Do we realize how strong our enemy is? 
Are we convinced that our enemy is stronger than us? Do we realize our inability to stand even for a moment? We won't be able to stand unless we are putting on the armor of God. That's the only way. Just because it does not seem that dangerous. Just because we maybe do not always feel like we are being attacked. Does not mean that we are not. The devil has many tricks up his sleeve. And one of those is to make his attacks invisible. Unnoticeable. But our Lord Jesus Christ loves His church and so He shows us in our text the great danger. He does that so that you might be driven on in your study of God's Word, beloved. So that you might be driven on in your prayer life, in your faith life, in your meditating on God's Word. He wants you to understand that these things are not luxuries but absolute essentials for the Christian. We are in danger of falling, of being overcome by our spiritual enemies unless we put on the armour of God. And that armour will certainly be effective. That brings us to our last point. The certain victory. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The armour of God that we must put on is something that comes to us as those who are members of Christ. It is through this armour that the Lord Jesus Christ makes us strong, equips us to stand in the evil day. And then notice, congregation, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who equips us for this fight. We read about that in chapter 1 of Ephesians. Jesus Christ, He has been exalted to the right hand of God, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Our Lord is above all the powers of darkness. They are under His control and rule. They cannot stand before Him. That's why the victory for those who believe in Him is certain. The armour of God is the armour that comes to you in Christ. For it's because of Christ's work congregation that you can have this armour. It's because He has redeemed you from the power of the lie that you can live lives characterised by truth. It's because of His finished work on the cross that you can have the breastplate of righteousness. It's because He grants you the Spirit that you can have faith and live by faith, and so on. The sure promise of our text is that those who put on this armour will be able to stand. Yes, you will stand even in the evil day. Even when the attacks are the worst, when you have done all, that is, when you have overcome every attack of the enemy, you will still be standing victorious. Not in your own strength but in the strength and protection which comes to you from God in Christ. So our text does two things. It shows us the deadly, eternally deadly danger of the enemy we face. We've been shown how seriously we are under attack. Is we today here in Armadale too. So serious that none of us is up to fighting this enemy. We cannot, for that is strong for us. But our Saviour reveals also the armour of God which He grants us. He will strengthen us to stand. There is only one way that we can resist and remain standing in this battle through the armour that He gives. That's the other thing our text shows. There is one way to certain victory in the battle you face in Christ and in Him alone. 
And so congregation, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, having overcome every attack, that you may still be standing. In Christ you are victorious. He will not allow His work. The church which He is gathering and sanctifying, He will not allow that to come to nothing. Amen.